0: Today's scripture reading is from Luke's Gospel, chapter 18, verses nine through 14. To some who were confident of their own righteousness and looked down on everyone else, Jesus told this parable. Two men went up to the temple to pray, one a Pharisee and the other a tax collector. The Pharisee stood by himself and prayed, God, I thank you that I am not like the other people, robbers, evildoers, adulterers, or even like this tax collector. I fast twice a week, and give a tenth of all I get. But the tax collector stood at a distance, he would not even look up to heaven, but beat his breast and said, God have mercy on me, a sinner. I tell you that this man, rather than the other, went home justified before God, for all those who exalt themselves will be humbled, and those who humble themselves will be exalted." The word of the Lord. Please be seated.
1: Good morning. You are an awesome church. Thanks for being here on this beautiful day. Turn to someone and say, great to have you here today. Say that to somebody. I'm Tim Householder, one of the pastors here. Welcome in Jesus' name, especially if you are visiting. Welcome to our family of faith. Uh, Great to have you here today. If you haven't been with us for the last many weeks, we're in a sermon series uh, called Let Me Tell You a Story. And uh, this whole program here is under the theme of Stories of Grace, which are looking at the stories in the Bible as stories of grace God is a God of mercy it is his nature and so therefore the collection of of biblical books and stories is all about stories of grace God's riches at Christ's expense the free gifts of God of forgiveness and the promise of eternal life that we don't deserve none of us but we get them from God as a free gift let me tell you a story of grace I was in high school. I did something really bad. I'm not sure what it was specifically. I, try, I have selective memory, so I don't remember exactly what it was. But my parents, my dad specifically, grounded me for two weeks. You're grounded. How long? Two weeks. Two weeks. That was the hammer. I mean, two weeks. Are you kidding? Two weeks? Three days in on a Saturday. We're in the family room. My dad goes, get out of here. I go, what? Like, get out of here. Like, you don't want me in the room with you? Has it come to that, Dad? Is it that bad right now? No, get out of here. Go do something. I'm grounded. Yeah, whatever. Just, just go. Just don't do that again, ever. Grace. The punishment I deserved was lifted. My earthly father illustrated grace for me. And I I remember that moment like it was yesterday because it was just this this profound thing. And teenagers here who are grounded, good luck with that. But anyway, the point still stands. It was a story of grace. Paul writes in Romans, the sixth chapter, the wages of sin is death. That's what the Bible says. That's, That's why we die a mortal death, our brokenness, our sin. But it's not a period at the end of that phrase, it's a comma. But the free gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ. You see, grace is a free gift of God that promises us eternal life. For the one who believes in Jesus as Lord. The wages of sin is death, but there are stories of grace from cover to cover in this Bible. I tripped over a cartoon a little while ago. Uh, It's from the Young Chronicles, uh, the Young Jesus Chronicles. There's Jesus over on the far right, and the teacher's saying, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, see me after class. Your book reports are surprisingly similar. Matthew, Mark, Luke, John—the the the four gospel writers—the good news of Jesus in our uh, New Testament—and it's a great joke because yeah, they're a lot alike, and if they were in a class together, they would maybe be uh, called to come see the teacher after class because they are a lot alike. They all tell the story of God's Son as Savior of the world, who dies on a cross for the sins of the world, and through faith in Him we are saved by grace through faith. But they're very different as well. They don't all have all the same stories. Many are similar. And it's because they're writing to different audiences and each gospel writer is asking a different question. In fact, they're answering a different question. And so we bring up the books of the Bible. Matthew, Mark, Luke, John. Everyone knows uh, or may know or may not know those are the first four books of the New Testament. Tell the story of Jesus' life. And each author's asking a question. Matthew's asking this question. Is Jesus the promised Jewish Messiah? Matthew was Jewish, writing to Jews, and he wanted them to know this Jesus from Nazareth is the promised Messiah that all the prophets said was coming for God's nation Israel. Specific audience. That was so if you read Matthew, you're going to see all the references to Old Testament scriptures and all the fulfillments Jesus had because there that connection to the Jewish faith in the Old Testament. Mark comes along and asks the question, is Jesus the Son of God? Mark is writing to Romans, scholarship believes, and and the Romans are all into power and authority, and he wants them to see and know in his gospel that that this is God's Son, the very God of creation. This is him incarnate, and he has all these uh, powerful things about him and can perform these miraculous things as God in flesh. So that's who he's writing to. Luke's gospel is asking this question, is Jesus the Savior of all people? All people, not just the Jewish people, not just the nation Israel, but Luke wants to open up the circle for all nations. Why? Luke is a Greek, and Luke is writing to Greeks. Completely different audience. So his gospel is trying to write to a non Jewish audience to try to explain to them who this Jesus is. So here's these three questions Is Jesus the promised Messiah? Is Jesus the Son of God? Is Jesus the Savior of all people? And John's gospel answers with a resounding, I am. There are seven I am statements in the gospel of John where Jesus says, I am the bread of life. I am the light of the world. I am the good shepherd. I am the promised Jewish Messiah. I am the Son of God. I am the Savior of all people. I am. And he is echoing God's words in the Old Testament who said, I am. So it's in this context we heard the scripture read today. Luke's gospel, uh, is Jesus the Savior of all people? And so we put a box around that because this is where the parable sits. And it's always good when we read the Bible to kind of know the context. What was the author trying to accomplish? The author of this parable is asking the question, as a Greek writing to Greeks, is Jesus the Savior of all nations? So he tells this parable. Want to join me back in the scripture? Matthew 18, verse 9. To some who were confident of their own righteousness and looked down on everyone else, Jesus told this parable. Two men went up to the temple to pray. One a Pharisee and the other a tax collector. Pause. I tripped over a fun video. I've seen this guy live. He is absolutely hilarious. He's a comedian named Michael Jr. That's a stage name. He talks about two people praying in public in church. Take a look. Have fun with it. And feel free to laugh. I remember going to church as an
0: adult, right, for the first time when I started going to church and i walk in and the pastor was like, he said, I want you to pray with your neighbor. And I'm like, well, my neighbor don't go to this church. I don't know if you, want to... you want me to call my neighbor on the phone. That's creepy. I ain't going to do that. Right. Then they explained to me, right? Your neighbor is a person sitting next to you. Listen, I'm brand new at this Christian stuff. I don't not, I didn't even know you're supposed to pray out loud, let alone with this lady. I don't even know this lady. What I'm supposed to pray about? Lord, help these bumps go down on this lady's face. I don't know what I'm supposed to to pray about. I don't know what I'm supposed to pray about, right? She went first. She was praying all good, and she must have been John the Baptist's little sister or something. She was like, Dear Heavenly Father, you said in your word in the sixth chapter, the third, third verse of the book of Matthew, the six hundred and first word on page twelve hundred and forty-eight. Lord, you said, but seek, S is in search, E is in everywhere, He is in excellent, K is in kingdom. You're the Alpha, Nisi, Jehovah, Jireh, Jehovah, Rapha. I'm thinking, man, she even knows his nicknames. Now it's my turn to pray, right? But I don't got the spiritual vocabulary to just, but I'm not gonna let her out pray me. So I'm like, okay, God, first of all, you are good people. You know, you are good, Lord, you are good. You are good to the last drop, Lord. Um, cause Lord, I, I just gotta obey my thirst, Lord, you know? Cause choosing moms choose Jesus. So, Lord, cause, You know, as the the rocket's red glare, Lord, it gave proof to the night, Lord. I believe I can fly, amen.
1: (laughs) (laughs) So two people praying in church. Jesus starts the parable. Two men go up to the temple to pray. And what happens? How different are they? And what does Jesus say about both of the prayers? As we read uh, in verse 10, two men went up to the temple to pray. One, a Pharisee. Everyone, cheer right now. And the other, a tax collector. Everyone, boo. Throwing a hiss. Yeah. Boo, hiss together. Nice. Now, why did you do that? The Pharisee in Jewish culture was the religious leader, the righteous ones kept the laws of Moses to the red letter. They were overseeing um, the entire operation as the religious leaders of the day. The tax collector that you booed and hissed is because Jewish thought was the tax collector is on par in, in, in Jesus' day with murderers, robbers, In thieves. And after paying taxes, I can't help but agree with that right now, but um, no, I'm not. I'm totally joking. But back to the point that's how much they were despised among Jesus' people. Because Rome put them in a district to get a certain amount of money to give to Caesar with the people's taxes because Rome was occupying Jewish land. Once the tax collector collected enough and passed it on to Caesar, they thought they, they believed, and many did. They lined their own pockets with the rest. So they were not only traitors for, for, for Rome, whom the, Israel, the Israelites, the Jewish people, despised, they were also robbing their own people blind. So that's why we cheered and booed. In comes the Pharisee, in comes the tax collector, and they're both going to pray. The Pharisee, verse 11, stood by himself and prayed, God, I thank you that I'm not like other people, robbers, evildoers, adulterers, or even like this tax collector over there. That one. I fast twice a week. I give a tenth of all I get. But, verse 13, the tax collector stood at a distance. He would not even look up to heaven, but he beat his breast and said, God, have mercy on me, a sinner. Jesus concludes, I tell you, that this man, rather than the Pharisee, went home justified before God. Justified, being made right with God, being being cleared by God of sins, just being in that right place with God. For those who exalt themselves will be humbled. Those who humble themselves will be exalted. Exalted. When Jesus told this parable, I would have loved to have been there, because when Jesus told this parable for the first time, there would have been nothing short of shock. Who's righteous before God? Not the religious guy? The tax collector? The tax collector who's given our money to Caesar? The tax collector who's... Who's lying in his pockets with my hard-earned income? Are you kidding me, Jesus? That's who's righteous before God. Why? Well, the Pharisee was boasting himself up before God and others who could hear him. I'm reminded of the little boy praying in his room, "Dear God!" Around Christmas time. Please. Bring me a brand new bicycle. Mom walks by the room. Honey, God's not deaf. I know, but Grandma is. That's what he says. That. Sometimes we're not praying to God. We're praying for other people to hear us. The tax collector is going right to God. Have mercy on me, a sinner, and that's the one who's righteous before God. A couple, three things to think about uh, as we... Uh, Think about this this parable. First, this prayer begins with humility. Author and theologian C.S. Lewis said this. Humility is not thinking less of yourself, it's thinking of yourself less. I love that. And when we come to God in prayer, it's not that God wants us to beat ourselves down, it's not that God wants us to, to uh, not have self-esteem, It's it, it's not what we're talking about when we talk about prayer, we're talking about just not letting the prayer be so much about how great you are, but But just that conversation with God, focusing on your relationship with God, focusing on the one you are talking to when you pray, less than yourself. Scripture says this in James, Humble yourself before the Lord, and he will will lift you up. Humble yourself in front of God. And that's exactly what the tax collector did. The Pharisee sure didn't. The second thing we can think about from this parable is this. Prayer is a time to seek God's forgiveness. The Pharisee went in prayer and just boasted himself up. I thank you, I'm not like other people, especially this guy over here. And the, and the tax collector says, God, have mercy on me, a sinner. And so prayer is a time to seek God's forgiveness. Rob Bell was a, a young pastor, a, hard, a little hard to see today with the sun out, but um, sometimes renewal comes in surrender, he says to come before God in prayer and just surrender. God, I can't be righteous on my own. I can't earn my salvation. I can't do enough good things to earn your favor. Have mercy on me, a sinner. I surrender. And in 1 John, Scripture says this, If we confess our sins, God is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. That's the daily washing Martin Luther talked about where we sin daily but we also go to God daily in prayer and confession and we're bathed in grace and we get completely washed clean. Like all the dirt and all the junk and all the filth of sin on us completely washed away when we confess our sins to God. So prayer is a time to seek God's forgiveness. Third and final thing, God welcomes our honest and heartfelt prayers. If I could coach you and encourage you today in your prayer life, in your prayer life, just be you. Just be you. Don't go in with the Pharisee mindset, trying to impress God or other people with with your prayers. Just be you. We can't fool God. We can fool other people, perhaps. We can fool some coworkers. We can fool some neighbors, right? We can't fool God. He knows every layer. Scripture says He knows the numbers of hairs on your head. Scripture says He knit us together in our mother's womb. You can't. Be anything but yourself before God. And and when you're not authentic, go back to this parable and see what God thinks about that. One of the most poignant moments in my prayer life came, I don't know, 14 years ago, 15 years ago. I was experiencing loss. I was experiencing um, a crossroads professionally. There were some other things happening where everything just was piling up at once. And you know that feeling. Some of you are sitting here today, and you're going, that's where I'm at right now, Pastor Tim. The deck is stacked. You feel like the the deck, the deck, the deck is stacked. The deck is stacked. You feel like the deck is stacked against you. Everything, every turn. I went, into the worship space of the place I worked that evening. It was dark and I, I've been there before and usually sit down in a chair. Sometimes I'll get on my knees because I think our physical posture is very helpful in prayer. But this particular night, I did something I've never done before. I went before the cross in the worship space. I laid down on my stomach, nose to the ground, face down, put my arms out wide, face down before God in the cross. And I just said, I surrender. i got to tell you, that is not a comfortable position. But What a powerful moment. When you come before God in prayer, just be you. He wants you. He wants your heart. He wants your heartfelt prayers. And so I want to close this morning with an acrostic that we've used before around here at Alleluia called the Acts of Prayer. And the acts of prayer are using the letters of the word. And and I, I share this with you because I've had such profound experience with this um this pattern. And I usually do this um at night before I go to sleep. And it's the acts of prayer, and it's um A is for adoration. You tell you give God praise, you adore God, you tell God how great God is and, and admire. Sometimes I say, God, you're awesome. You're your creation is just unbelievable. I saw a flower blooming today and I I knew that was you. I knew that you put that there for the beauty of creation. I just, I adore you. You know, so those kinds of things. Confession. That's what the tax collector did. That's what we do often in our prayer uh, here at Alleluia. Every time we say the Lord's Prayer, we confess our sins to God. So confession, there you just say, have mercy on me, God, a sinner. And I, I, try, to, I try to name the things that I know uh, have been sinful and I'm wrestling with in my life. T is thanksgiving. Give God thanks. When's the last time you prayed and just thank God? Thank you, God. Thank you for this and for this. And oh, by the way, thanks for that. Thanks for this. I know your hand was in that. Thank you. I complain a lot, God, but I, I don't often acknowledge all the reasons I should be thankful. It's easy to be negative. It's easy to let God have it with some stuff. But man, how about thanking God? Maybe for this next breath. That's a gift. And finally, we get to supplication. Big word that means Ask. Ask God. Now you get to the asking part. How often do we pray and we start our prayer? Gimme, 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 gimme. Please, please, please. Help me, help me, help me. Well, there's a place for that. And Jesus, even in the Lord's Prayer, you know, has us praying for those things, daily bread, those things. But I think it's a powerful pattern when you give God his due praise, you confess your sins, then you're you're like the, the tax collector in this parable. Now you're right with God. Now you're in a place where you're justified. Then you thank God. Then you ask. So I usually, uh, and all the pastors, we usually end our messages with a prayer. And I would like you to do a silent prayer. I'm going to walk you through this. You don't have to do this exercise, but if you'd like, you can. You might want to try it on for size. I want to walk you through this prayer model briefly here. You're the end of the sermon. You're praying. So pray in silence. Pray in your heart. If you'd like, you can fold your hands. If you'd like, you could bow your heads and close your eyes. And I'm going to walk you through this prayer. Let's pray. Gracious God, we come to you just as we are in our prayer. Adoration. Here, give God your praise. Confession. Now tell God you're sorry and name some things that are on your heart. Thanksgiving. Now thank God for things in your life or the world around you. Supplication, now just ask. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.